Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. If you're joining us on social media, we welcome you as well. If you're visiting with us, you're our honored guest today. We'd like to have a record of everyone's attendance. There's a friendship register on each pew. We'd like for everyone to sign in, please. This is a special weekend for us, and it's a special day. I know that every worship day is a special day, but th this is our Mission Sunday today. If we had a contribution of $100,000 today, I promise you we can find appropriate mission work to put that money in. I hope you have prayed about your contribution today and that we'll have a great contribution to add to our mission effort. I love starting off a day with a great announcement. The Timms family, John, Nicole, Hunter, James, and Dakota would like to place membership with the Boonville Church family. Nicole and the boys are going to be living here while John is deployed to Kosovo. I think he's leaving from Huntsville tomorrow in that deployment. They're going to be moving here. The family will be moving here on May the 28th, and the note says any help on unloading the moving truck would be appreciated. I'm sure we can do that. We are enjoying a Strengthening Families weekend. Doug will introduce our speaker right before the scripture reading. It's going to be a period of worship followed by a period of fellowship. We'll have a fellowship meal following our services today. Leading us in our service, uh, Brother Joe Garrett will be leading our singing. Brother Ronnie Johnson has the opening prayer. Brother Cameron Jumper has the scripture reading. The speaker will be introduced a little bit later. Adam Carlson will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper. Wayne Taylor will direct us as we collect for today. And then Brother Jerry Barrett will have the announcements and closing prayer. Would you bow with me as we begin? Our loving Heavenly Father, we know that you're all powerful. We know that you're all wise. We know that you're all loving. And we're so thankful that we can assemble this morning to worship thee. We pray that our worship service would be pleasing in your sight. We ask your blessings to be with our speaker today. And we pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to be receptive to your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> We're going to sing two songs this morning before preaching. The first one's going to be number 622. 622. This song has a bass lead. Um, the bass thing will tell you that before we get to it. Y'all can have it, but I may not be able to. <laughs> 622. 
time, we'll go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we come to thee on this, another beautiful Lord's Day. So very thankful for all the things that you've done through us today, yesterday, and throughout all time. Father, thank you for the Bible, the written word that we have so abundantly today that we can study your word and, and know what you want us to do and hopefully help us lead a life that will bring other people to Christ. Father, thank you for this congregation that meets at Boonville. Thank you for the wonderful elders that we have, that they lead us in such a way that, that it helps our souls. Father, thank you for the deacons, for their work that they do, and all the things that they do for us. But today, Father, I want to especially thank you for the women of our congregation. We know the history that two women actually started this church a long, long time ago. But the strength of women has been so good to us. They teach our kids. They support us. And without them, Father, we would not be the congregation that we are. Thank you for them and bless them. Father, as we go into this service today, we ask that you bless the speaker, help him to say the things that he's prepared, and help us to listen and help us to take those words in and make our lives stronger and make us better people. Father, we've got lots of sick. On our prayer list, we've got lots of people that are sick and they need your help. It seems like that the word cancer is just strode all through our prayer list and all of those people and those doctors and father we ask if it could be thy will help the people that are studying and help them to find a cure for that awful dreaded disease that that sometime in the future that our kids and our grandkids might not have to fear that word like we do father there's so many things that we want to thank you for. It's almost too many to mention, but most of all, I want to thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that you was willing to send him to this earth to live as one of us, but yet live that perfect and sinless life that he might be worthy of us having forgiveness of our sins. Most of all, we thank you for allowing him to go to that cross and die that cruel death and then have that glorious resurrection that through him that we might have hope of eternal life. We ask all of these things in his name. Amen. Song before the lesson today will be number 610. 610. I love my Savior too.
We are here this morning because we do love our Savior, and it's an honor to be able to assemble like we are today to worship our God. And we're so glad that uh, you're here this morning. Yesterday was just a, a fabulous day. It was wonderful. Brother Sam Jones presented three superb lessons. These lessons are now available online, so you can find them there. If you missed those yesterday, you will find much needed information for yourself and for your family and others. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. It's also a special day. It's our church secretary's birthday. So you might want to tell Jimmy a happy birthday too before you leave. She kind of keeps things going around here. So we appreciate her. But it's my honor today to introduce our speaker. We are honored to have as our guest speaker, Brother Sam Jones, Dr. Sam Jones. He's happily married to the former Carolyn Diane King. We're glad that she's here with us today. Uh, They have five adult children, four grandchildren. Interestingly, uh, Dr. Sam Jones is a graduate of Tupelo High School. Uh, He received his BS degree in biblical studies from Fried Hardeman. He received his Master of Arts and PhD from Mississippi State University. He's also completed postdoctorate courses in the area of marriage and family therapy. Uh, Dr. Sam has been preaching the gospel since 1975, and uh, he's spoken uh, in numerous lectureships and events such as uh, youth rallies and things of that nature. He has preached the gospel in 38 states and numerous countries. He served on the faculty at Magnolia Bible College from 84 to 90. He also was an administrator at Fried Hardeman University as well as a teacher from 1990 to 2017. He retired as Emeritus Professor of Bible, uh, Family Studies and Sociology from Fried Hardeman in 2017. And uh, Brother Jones currently is serving as the Family Life Minister for the East Jackson Church of Christ in Jackson, Tennessee. As I I emphasized yesterday, uh, Dr. Sam Jones is first and foremost a gospel preacher. But his background, his education, makes him one of the most qualified to speak on these topics that he's dealing with this weekend. You know, I kept thinking after I introduced him yesterday as Dr. Jones, remember uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? The villain? We meet again, Dr. Jones. I've been hearing that in my mind all weekend after introducing him as Dr. Jones, but Anyhow, it's a joy and an honor to have him with us today, and I know you'll enjoy the lesson he's going to present on empowering our families. Scripture reading this morning will be from Philippians 2, verses 12 through 16. Philippians 2, verses 12 through 16. I'll be reading from the King James. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain.
It is a joy to be a Christian. It is a joy to be a child of God and to live every day in hope that when this world is over, when life comes to an end, there's a better place prepared for those who put their trust in God. I want to say to Doug, thank you for thinking of me and presenting me to the elders to come and to, to deliver these series of lessons. I want to say to the elders, thank you for approving uh, Doug's recommendation. I've enjoyed our stay. It's good to be back in the wonderful state of Mississippi. I've lived in Tennessee for the last 30 some years of my life, but my love is in the great state of Mississippi. And it's good to be here this morning. The lesson is entitled Empowering. Empowering our families in a changing and dangerous world. I wanna say on the outset of this lesson, don't quit. Don't quit. Satan wants each one of you to quit. The past three years have been challenging in America and the world with the pandemics. And Satan has caused many to abandon their faith. And I want to say to this great congregation of God's people, don't quit. It was Jesus who said in John, in John 10 in verse number 10, there's a thief. And that thief comes for three reasons, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've stopped by to tell you that Satan wants to steal something from you. And what Satan wants to steal from you is your joy and your excitement about being a child of God. Don't let him take that away from you. Don't let him take away the greatest thing you have in this life, and that is the joy of being a child of God knowing with full assurance that there's a God in heaven and when this life is over, there's a home for those who remain faithful for God in heaven. Don't let Satan take away your joy. We're living in dangerous times. America and the world has changed. And the question that I want you to consider this morning is what can we do, Brother Jones? We're living in such a challenging time in America and in the world. What can we do to equip ourselves? What can we do to equip our families to face this changing world and this dangerous world that we live in? Look in Philippians chapter two. In your copy of God's word, the Bible says in verse 15, as Paul is incarcerated and he's writing to the saints back at Philippi, he gives a description of the world at his day and time. And Paul says, we live in a crooked, or he lived in a crooked and perverse world. During Paul's time, Paul said that people that crooked and perverse world means that people lost their ability to distinguish between right and wrong. And as I read Philippians chapter two, verse 15, it's almost as if Paul was writing to America today. Because in America, many people have lost their ability to distinguish between right and wrong. We live in what Isaiah called in Isaiah five, verse 20. People are calling now evil good 
and good evil. We're living in a time when Jeremiah talked about it in Jeremiah chapter two or Jeremiah chapter six and verse number 15, where Jeremiah said there was a time when people committed heinous diabolical sins. And he said, Sammy, they didn't even blush. Look at a nation that when you can transgress God's will and it doesn't cause you to be ashamed. We're living in a day and time in America when it seems as if immorality is on the rise and faithfulness to God is on the decline. But I've stopped by to give you some good news. In Revelation chapter 20 in verses eight and nine, John tells us that there was going to be a time in this world where it's going to seem that Satan followers are on the rise. That it seems that Satan followers are just abounding and abounding. But God says, you got to read verse nine. He says, verse nine is that there's going to come a day that God is going to destroy all of Satan's followers. And those who are in the church, those who are in the body of Christ, who remain faithful, there's a home waiting for you. Yes, it may seem that, that, that Christianity and that the church is, is dwindling. But if we just hold on, if we don't quit, God has allowed us to see in the book of Revelation the end of the story. And the end of the story is that Christianity is going to win. And I want you to know that. And that's why I want to encourage you, don't quit. Don't abandon your faith. Yes, you know someone this morning who has abandoned his or her faith, but don't you abandon your faith. Hold on. The Lord has not forgotten the great work that's going on here at the Boomville Church of Christ. God knows what you're doing. Keep on keeping on. But the question is, Brother Jones, what can we do? What can we do to equip our families that in the midst of this changing world, in the midst of this dangerous world, what can we do to equip our families to remain faithful to God? That when we are dead and gone, that our children and our grandchildren, they can hold on to the faith that we have passed on to them. Brother Jones, what can we do? You see, I'm at that age now that I've got few years left. And I think about our children and our grandchildren. What can we do to empower them? What can we do to equip them to remain faithful to God? And I'm thankful that in this wonderful book called the Bible, God has given us some information as to what we can do. And so my objective this morning is to share from you from the text of Philippians chapter 2, Verses 12 through 15. So if you have your copy of God's word, turn there. Here are some things that we can do, some insights as to what we can do to equip ourselves and our families to remain faithful to God in the midst of a crooked and perverse world. So let's look at the text. In Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 12. In Philippians 2 verse 12, Paul says, here's the first thing that we can do to equip and empower our families and ourselves to remain faithful to God. And that is to remain active, to remain involved and in saving yourselves. Remain involved, stay in the church, 
Get active in the church. Stay involved. Don't quit. Now look at Philippians chapter 12. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. And that's what he meant by work out your own salvation. You see that in Philippians 2 and verse 12? Work out your own salvation. Stay involved. Don't quit. You see, salvation is a twofold manifestation. The first is God's part. And then there's your part and my part. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved. That's God's part. Salvation is a gift from God. We can't earn salvation. It's a wonderful gift from God. But yet it says, through faith. Through faith means that there's something that Sammy has to do in order to have eternal life in heaven. There's something you have to do, and that is stay active. Satan wants you to become passive. Satan wants you to become lazy. Satan wants you to quit. But our part is that we have to stay active. We can't earn our salvation. But there are some things we need to do daily to show our faith, that our faith is alive. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 and look at verse number 10. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Did you hear that? There are some works, there are some things that we need to be doing. We need to show this town, we need to show this community that God is alive and let our faith be seen. Too many Christians are hiding their faith. We need to let people see Jesus in us. The ultimate goal of every Christian is to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. When people see Sammy, they ought to be able to see there's something unique about me. There's something unique about you. That's what it means to work. Transforming your life to become like Christ. Transforming your behavior of doing good to others like Jesus. Work out your own salvation. Stay active in the church. That's how, that's how we overcome this world. That's how we live in a world that's changing and dangerous. That's how we keep our children and our grandchildren active in the church and, and involved in the church is that they see mom and dad, they see grandmom and see granddad active, working out your salvation. Turn to the book of Titus, the chapters three. And look at verse number one, Titus chapter three, verse one. And the Bible says that we ought to be involved in every great work. Find something that you can do in the church here. Find something you can do in the community to show people that the church of Christ is alive in this city, to show people that God is alive in us. That's how we remain faithful, is that we're involved in good works. Again, look in Titus chapter three. Look down at verse number eight. In Titus 3 and verse number 8, he says, maintain good works. The church here has a long history. In my years at, at Magnolia Bible College, I learned a lot about the Boonville Church, and particularly the associates here and many others because your generosity helped to continue that school when I was there. Your great service and, and, and God is thankful for the work that you have done in the past. But don't stop the great work and, and, and what you're doing presently. That is how 
One way is to empower ourselves to remain faithful in the midst of a changing world, and that is to stay active, stay involved. Don't quit the great work that you're doing. Number two, you see, it's not enough to stay active and saving yourselves. But Paul says in Philippians chapter two, look at verse 12. He says, there's a second thing you need to do, Sammy, to empower yourself and empower your children and your grandchildren, to empower your family. Look at the latter part of verse 12. And that is to serve God with both fear and trembling. Serve God with both fear and trembling. Let's look at those two words. Fear means honor God. Honor God how in your life. Honor God. Live so that God is honored by the way you live. Have the attitude that Joseph had back in Genesis chapter 39 and verse number nine when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. And now he's down in a foreign country. Nobody knows Joseph, but Joseph lived to honor God. And when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph, look at his attitude. I can't commit this sin against God. I, 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 don't, I can't commit this sin against God. God's been too good to me. That's the attitude we've got to have. I've got to honor God with my life. I know that the world is doing this and the world is doing that, but I don't live like the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I live to honor God. The way I can honor God is to love my wife with all my heart, to let her know that she loved to love my children. That's how it's to make sure that they know that they're loved, to live the best life, to have the best behavior as possible. And so that's what it means, honor at work, honor at the grocery store, honor in the community, honor. Let people know. You don't have to tell people you're a Christian. Let them see it. That's how you honor him. That's how we live in a changing and dangerous world. We live to honor God with our actions, with our thoughts, with our words. But then look at the word trembling. Trembling is we need to live with the reality. That's consequences for not serving God. There was a time when people feared consequences. There was a time when people feared hell. But we're living in a day and time when majority of people don't even fear hell. When the majority don't even believe that there's a hell. But turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. And look at verses four, five, and six. And what Paul wants us to understand and what Peter is saying in 2 Peter chapter two, he says, Sammy, be sure that you know, be sure that your family knows, that your family knows, Sammy, that God means what he says. You need to live every day knowing God means what he says. And that is, if you don't serve him, if you don't serve him faithfully, you can't go to heaven. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. God says to us in Philippians, I mean, Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, that God punished the angels 
that were disobedient, that followed Lucifer, that followed Satan. He says, they didn't think God meant what he said, but those angels that left God, those angels that deceived God, they're example for us. That God means what he says. There's consequences of not serving God. And if you don't serve God, if you live without God and you die without God, you're going to be resurrected without him. And if you're resurrected without him, he's going to say, I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't ever want to see you again. Depart from me. Live trembling with the fact that if I don't serve God faithfully the days of my life, then God will not save me. As much as he loves me, he won't save me. Then look at the next example. He said, remember the ancient world? Noah preached 120 years begging those people that God means what he says, get into the ark. But only eight souls believed that God meant what he said. We need to serve God with fear. That's how, that is how we prepare ourselves, equip ourselves to remain faithful to God in the midst of a changing world. We've got to serve God with fear and trembling. But then look at verse six. He says, remember, remember, don't forget. You want Satan wants to take away from you is our memory. When we forget, he says, but remember the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Those cities today are still in ruins to remind us that God means what he says. These cities were wicked and sinful and God pleaded through preachings for these cities to repent, but they wouldn't. And now they stand at examples to us that God means what he says. So how, when a world is deteriorating spiritually, when a world is deteriorating spiritually, Brother Jones, what can we do to equip our families and ourselves? He says, number one, stay active and saving yourselves. Number two, serve God with both fear and trembling. But then look at verse 13. In Philippians chapter two, look at verse 13. He says, here's the third thing that you can do. Look at that text. I want to read it because it is so powerful for it is God who works in you. So it is God who works in you. What are you saying, Paul? Use the power that God has placed in you. God has put power in Christians. Thank God, thank you. We can defeat Satan. Satan is after you. Satan wants to steal your joy. Satan wants to stay, take away from you the most important thing you have, your soul. But God wants us to know we're not alone in this battle. God has not left us alone. Those who obey the gospel and Acts 2 and verse 38, those who obey the gospel, Acts 5 and verse 32, God gives you his spirit called the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit operates in you through the word to give you power. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. We have power. God wants a relationship with us and God wants us to make it to heaven. 
And that's why he hadn't abandoned us. That's why he's given us power. Go to Ephesians, the chapters three. I want to share with you a beautiful passage. Look at Ephesians chapter three and verse 20. The Bible says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Listen to this. According, according to the power, according to the power that what? Works in us. We have power, brothers and sisters. We can defeat Satan. We're not alone. You can make it. God has not abandoned you. God has given you power. What is that power? It's the Holy Spirit. Go back up to verse 16. Ephesians 3, look at verse number 16. He tells us the source and the purpose of that power. In verse 16, for he who grants you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. Yes, you're going to go through things that's going to test your faith. You're going to go through things that's going to shake your faith. It was nine years ago that my faith was shaken. When my first wife died of cancer. Shook my faith. But God, thank you for the Holy Spirit. There were times in my life I didn't know if I was going to make it. But the word, just working through the Holy Spirit, strengthened me. I couldn't preach for about a year and a half, but... After a while, I was able to get back into the pulpit. And that's what he says. Be strengthened with the might through the spirit, through the spirit and the inner man. God has given us power. Thank you, God. And there's some of you that's going through things and you've been through things and you're still here. It's because the power. But you got to pass that. Make our children aware of the power they have. You see, a lot of our children and grandchildren, they don't realize the power in them and the spirit operating through the word. And that's why we need to let them know that we have been given power by God. But that Holy Spirit not only operates to strengthen us. Look at Ephesians chapter one. Look at verse 13. The Holy Spirit operates as a seal. Thanks be to God. How does God know that I'm one of his children? Paul says he's giving you a seal. Back when I was young, growing up in Tupelo, Mississippi, every September the fair would come through, through, through Lee County. And when you would pay your dollar, they would put a stamp on you and let you go in and enjoy all the rides. How do you know that you could ride any ride? Is that you had that stamp on you. Brothers and sisters, God has given us a stamp. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's given to those who obey the gospel that God knows those who are his. And God has made those who are his a promise that he's never going to abandon us. He's never going to leave us. But look now at verse 14. In Ephesians 1 verse 14, he says, not only have they given you a, a seal, Sammy, he said, but I've given you a guarantee. I like that. You see, when you buy a car, you want a warranty. When you buy appliances, you want a warranty. God says, I gave you a warranty, Sammy, that if you remain faithful, I guarantee that you're going to make it to heaven. I guarantee you a home in heaven. 
That's why Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. There's a place guaranteed. It's reserved for those who don't quit. It's reserved for those who live in a crooked and perverse world that's changing, that don't give up, don't lose their excitement, don't lose their joy. Thank you, God, for the power that's given to us in the midst of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to number four. Go back to Philippians chapter two. Look at verse 14. The fourth thing that you can do is don't forget what God has done for you. I, I don't know who you are, but there's someone sitting in this audience a few years ago. You were going through a troublesome time in your life, but God brought you through it. There's somebody here who gone, has gone through some financial troubles, but it wasn't you that gave you the better job. It was God that opened up a door for you. There's some of you that have had children who've gone through some things it, it, it wasn't the great job you did as a parent, but it's God. You, you see, we sometimes forget what God has done for us in the past. And that affects our attitude in the present. And that's why Paul says in Philippians 2 and verse number 14, do all things without complaining. When do we start complaining? When we forget how we've been blessed when we forget what God has done for us. And that's what Satan wants you to do, is forget about what God did for you 10 years ago. Forget about what God did for you six months ago. Forget, don't forget. That's how you empower yourselves. Don't forget. You know what destroys a lot of marital relationships is people forget what they have. They forget what they have. The grass is not greener somewhere else. Don't forget. Why do people leave the church? They forget what God has done for them and how God has blessed them. Don't forget. Pass it on to your children. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, twice Paul says in that text, the things that happen aforetime happen for our learning or for our example. And then he gives an example. And he gives the example that's turned back to Numbers chapter 14. He gives an, an example in Numbers chapter 14 and verse number two. In Numbers chapter 14, verse two, you find these words, I paraphrase. Oh, Moses, Aaron, why did you bring us out here? Why didn't you just let us die in Egypt? Why didn't you just let us die in the wilderness? You see this text. But then you wonder what preceded this text. All God did was that children of Israel go and possess the land that I promise you. Go and take the land. I promise you a land flowing with milk and honey. Possess the land. And you remember they sent out in chapter 13 those 12 spies. And 10 of them came back with a false report. Verse 33, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. And they see us like little grasshoppers. Now notice, God told them to possess the land. 
You know what they forgot? 40 years earlier, God brought them over pavement through the Red Sea. Oh, you, don't, you didn't get that. 40 years ago, they were in Egyptian bondage and God parted the Red Sea, allowed them to walk across on pavement. This is how awesome our God is and they forgot about that. But then they forgot about, they wandered 40 years in the wilderness and God fed them every day. God gave them clothes, wash and dry. For 40 years, they had the same pair of jeans that didn't wear out. The same pair of Nike tennis shoes that didn't wear out. God blessed them 40 years. And now they get to the promised land and God says, go and possess it. But there's giants there. Oh God, why didn't you just let us die in Egypt? Oh God, why did you just let us die in the wilderness? Sounds like many of us. First sign of something going wrong. Oh God, why? Oh God. God doesn't want us to forget what he's done for us. Because when we forget, we start complaining. We start complaining about the songs are too long. The sermon is too long. We stand at church too long. We start complaining and we forget about it is so great to be in the presence of God. It is so great to be with my brothers and sisters as we sing about it's going to be wonderful over there. As we pray in unity to God for thanking him for blessing us. You see, instead of seeing the good, we start complaining about everything. Don't forget how God has blessed you. I'm about through, but that's number five. Look at verse 15. He says there's a fifth thing that you need to do, Sammy, to empower yourself. And that is be blameless, be harmless. Sammy, be a living example, be a living epistle. Be a walking epistle. You know, the only Bible that some people read in Boonville is you. They don't take the time to open up God's word, but they look at you because they know you belong to the church of Christ. And they're looking at you and they're judging God by you. They're judging Jesus Christ by you. And he says, Sammy, blameless doesn't mean you're perfect because none of us are perfect. First John 1 verse 8 says, if you say you have no sins, you are, you're deceiving yourselves. He went on to say in verse 10, if you say you don't sin, you, you're, you're lying and the truth is not in you. None of us are perfect. That's why we need God's grace because we, every one of us is going to come up short on the day of judgment. We don't deserve to go there, but remember, it's a gift God gives to us. But now he wants us to be a walking epistle. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 2. Be a living epistle. You write a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do, by the words that you say. Men, read what you write. Whether faithless or true, say, my brother, my sister, what is the gospel according to you? The only gospel, the only epistle that some people read is you and me. And my question for you this morning, what are the reading? 
What are they being taught by my life and by your life? God needs us. And this world that is changing, God needs us. And this world that is becoming dangerous, God needs us. He needs us to stand up for him. He needs us to, to let our light shine. And that's what he says in the text. And this crooked and perverse generation. He says, Sam, I need you to shine as lights in a darkness. We're living in a dark world. I need you, Sammy. When you needed me, Sammy, I let my son die for you. And Sammy, I need you. I need you to let the world know that I love them. Sammy, will you let love be seen in your actions? Will you let love be seen in your deeds? Let you, will you let love be heard in your words? Be careful what you say to people. Be careful how you talk to people, Sammy, because the way you talk to them is a reflection on me, Sam. Sammy, be careful when you go to work. What kind of attitude do you display? What kind of action do you display? Sammy, you're speaking for me. Be careful. You see, that's how we transform a world that's in darkness back to light. And finally, look at verse 16, Philippians 2, verse 16. He says, ruminate. Ruminate on the word. How do you empower? How do you equip yourselves and your families to serve God? Ruminate. Ruminate on the word of God. Listen to what he says in Philippians 2 in verse number 16. Hold fast to the word of life. If there's ever been a time when Christians needed to study God's word and fill themselves with the spirit of God's word, it's now. You see, you have a spirit that's been given to you, but that spirit can't operate if you don't keep it alive through the word. That's why I plead with you to spend time. Do you have a method of studying God's word? You see, if you, that's all you're getting is what you get from the sermon and from a Bible class, the spirit doesn't have much to work with in you. I plead with you. If you haven't read the Bible through, make it a, make it a challenge to do so. We're in the process on Thursday morning at East Jackson we're going through the Bible. We're in the book of Nahum. We finally made it to the book of Nahum. And we're going through that and I'm enjoying it because it's, it's, it's increasing my knowledge of God's word. And now notice why is it so important? Turn to Psalms 119 as we're closing. In Psalms 119, look at verse 97. David said these words. Oh, how I love thy law. Oh, how I love the word of God. And I meditate. That word meditate means I ruminate. I ruminate on it day and night. You see, I read Psalms chapter 37 and verse 25. David said, Sammy, I've been young and now I'm old. But one thing I found out, God will not forsake the righteous. That gives me strength. 
Yes, I'm going through something right now, but God wants me to learn a lesson, but I'm going to remain faithful to God. You see, when you study God's word and you ruminate on it, when you run into a brick wall, the word brings back something to memory. And it says, hey, there's a lesson here for me that God wants me to learn, but I'm going to stay with the church. There's a way I'm supposed to act when I'm tempted to do this and I'm tempted to do that. Satan, get behind me. Ruminate on God's word. Look at Psalms 119. Go back to verse 11. David said, the word of God have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. How much are you spending in your time in studying God's word? How much time are you spending with God's word? If you're going to remain faithful to God in the midst of this changing world, if I'm going to, then we must spend more time ruminating on the word of God. John says, be thou faithful unto death. I started off by telling you Satan wants to steal something from you. I end with that. Satan wants to take away your joy. He wants to take away your excitement. He wants to take away your burst of energy to want to give it to God. He wants you to quit. He wants you to doubt God. He wants you to doubt that God is alive, but I've stopped by to tell you. God's pulling for you. He believes in you. He wants you to make it to heaven. He's not up there waiting for you to make a mistake so he can say, boom, Sammy. No, Sammy, I love you. Sammy, I want you to be with me in heaven for an eternity. And I want you to look at the cross every day, Sammy, as a reminder how much I love you, Sammy. I love you so much that I let my only son, and when he cried out, Eli, Eli, Lamassa, Bath and I, it almost ripped my heart out, Sam. When he said, Daddy, why have you forsaken me? Daddy, why have you turned your back on me? You see, Jesus became contaminated with my sins, and God had to turn his back on his only son. But he was doing that to say, Sammy, this is the magnitude of my love for you. This is how much I love you, Sammy. If I would let my only son go through the agony of a crucifixion, it's because I want you to spend an eternity with me. So now, Sammy, I want you to know that I love you. But then I want you to use that, those insights in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. These are things that you can do to make your calling an election sure. Maybe there's someone here this morning, you've lost that joy. You, you lost that excitement. Thanks be to God, we have an opportunity to say, God, strengthen me. God, forgive me. God, put that fire back in me. Maybe there's someone, you lost your way. You find yourself doing things you ought not to do. Thank God for God's grace. That if you will say, God, forgive me, God will wipe your book clean. And on the day of judgment, you don't have to worry about those things that you repented of. God wants us in heaven. Maybe there's someone here this morning who needs to obey the gospel. The gospel is God's power to save. Paul says, God be thanked, Romans 6, 17, that we all once was a slave to sin, but we obey from the heart a pattern. We died, we were buried, and we were resurrected. We obeyed a pattern. 
And when we obeyed that pattern, we were then made free from sin. And if we remain faithful unto the end, there's a crown of life waiting for us. Don't quit. Stay excited about serving God. And if we can help you in any way, won't you come as we together stand and sing. I am resolved no longer to linger.
sing a song to help prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. If you sing it out of the book, turn to number 338. 338. anyone that is in need of the emblems, our ushers have made that available. Uh, raise your hand and they will provide that for you. When we think about the Lord's Supper, at least for myself, I think about the concept of memorials. What is 
a memorial. A memorial is something we typically think of it as a physical structure of some sort, such as a plaque, a statue of some individual. And its purpose is to remember that individual or some event. And we have memorials all over our country, all over the world that exist for that very purpose. And so as we come together at this time, we're here for the greatest memorial of all, and that is to remember the death and subsequent sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remembering that he secured our redemption with his life, with the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. And as we prepare to remember that, as we prepare to partake of this emblem, I'll ask you to bow with me. Our Heavenly Father, we come and we thank you for this day. We come especially thanking you for the greatest gift, the greatest sacrifice that ever has been or ever will be made in sending your son to this earth to take on the form of a man to live a perfect and sinless life so that he might be the perfect one-time sacrifice making our salvation possible. And as we partake of this bread, remembering the breaking of his body, may we do it in such a way with his sacrifice in mind and that we will always partake in a manner in which is worthy and pleasing. And for this we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. In his first epistle, the Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Forasmuch as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who, was verily, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. As we think about that concept, that lamb without blemish and without spot, that too was the requirement for the lambs to be slaughtered for the observance of the Passover looking forward, looking ahead to the time in which Jesus would come and would be the fulfillment 
of that. And so again, as we partake, let us turn to our God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we again come before you and we thank you again for all blessings, but again, especially the sacrifice of your only begotten Son, Jesus, and the shedding of his blood that, again, our salvation may be made possible. And as we partake of this emblem representing the shedding of his blood, may we do so with that in view, and may we be forever grateful for what he has done for us. And for this we ask, and in Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your blessings you give us. We thank you for the material blessings. As we give back a portion to thee, bless us that we give in, with a cheerful heart. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just wanted to give y'all a quick, a quick reminder. If you're going to our retreat next weekend, if you would like to go to our retreat this next weekend, if you are a little bit considering going to our retreat next weekend, please uh, meet in the little chapel immediately after this. I know y'all have a habit of sometimes forgetting what I say now and then the three minutes following this when you're making your way back there. But please don't forget. Please, well, we gotta we gotta talk about some stuff. Um, it's, it's exciting. We're gonna have a great time. Looking forward to it. So if you're going, please make your way back there before you go down to eat lunch. Thank you.
Good morning. Uh, we have, uh, first of all, welcome to those uh, who are our guests and visitors. And uh, thank you very much for Sister and Brother Jones. I know you said you were thankful that uh, Doug invited you, but we're very thankful that you came as well. Thank you. Yes, we had 328 that are here this morning. And just a few announcements. Uh, before we are dismissed for a, what would be a very good meal. First thing, Dale mentioned he found some money in the foyer. So if anybody dropped some money in the foyer, please see Dale. I'm not going to tell you how much it was. If you drop some, tell him. Um, also, uh, we, the Boonville uh, Church, will conduct the nursing home service at Landmark today at 4. The Golden Circle will be going on a boat tour at Wheeler Lake this Friday. There are places for five more people. This Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. And at 12 o'clock noon, uh, there will be a, a prayer vigil at the Boonville City Hall. Next Sunday at 0800 in the Annex, there will be a men's breakfast next Sunday at 8 o'clock in the Annex. Uh, Billy and Bo are in charge. On the blue table out in the foyer, there are still family information sheets that need to be filled out if you haven't done so. This is not the same thing as the congregate uh, website registration. Um, there are bulletins, please take one with you. And there's a whole page of prayers that are needed. So uh, that's something we all need to be doing at all times, as you know. Um, so what we will do, uh, we will pray, then we will be dismissed. But keep in mind, we need to be not so quick to get down there as they might still be getting things ready. So don't just run down and um, bombard them. So if we will, let's please stand and uh, let's pray and we will be dismissed. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful this morning that you've brought us all together. We're so grateful for Brother Jones as he's been here this weekend speaking such solid and such important truth for each of us to hear and for us to take with us as we leave. Father, there are so many things for us to be thankful for from the day we're born until the day we die. All of this is made possible by you, Father, and the sacrifice made by your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we're so grateful and we're also so grateful for the food you give us to eat today, Father. We're so grateful for the hands that put it together, that prepare it for us. May every bite we take, every bowl that is put in front of us, may we remember where it comes from and may we be thankful for it. Father, we're so full of love in this building and we know you love us and Father, we love you. And Father, we're so grateful for your son who died and made it all possible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.